What's up Wednesday night? How you guys doing? Here we are. We are so excited to have you. If you are new to ACF Church, we just want to say welcome home. We hope that uh, you can make a, a home here, that this is a place to wrestle out your faith and your doubts and your questions together. So uh, we are in week two of a conversation that we're having about our past and moving forward. And uh, so it's been, it's been challenging so far. In fact, last week, I have never had so many people come up to me and say, you've been reading my email? Um, because we were just talking about this idea of pain and that everybody has some pain that they're going through. And so I just, it's almost like we ripped out a Band-Aid or ripped out a wound last week. And a lot of people are feeling that. And so um, if that was you, I'm glad you came back. I talked to one guy. He's like, yeah, I just wanted to get up and walk out during your sermon, you know, which is always good news for a pastor. So thanks. That's great. No, he was basically, he was just saying, you know, God was working on my heart. And anytime you talk about pain and anytime you talk about people's past, it gets messy. And uh, if there's one thing that ACF Church does well, it's messy. Uh, We do messy really well. So if you're messy, welcome home. Uh, You are in good company. So uh, this is Angela. Say hi to Angela, everybody. Angela is one of my favorite people, and she's going to help us to unpack uh, this conversation tonight. Um, If you don't know Angela, you are missing out. She is just amazing, uh, awesome leader in our church. Uh, She has been uh, on the worship team for years singing. She uh, leads women's uh, groups and studies together. She's been on our leadership team. So you've pretty much served in most positions at ACF Church. So anyway, um, I always feel like a good Christian until I hang out with Angela, and then... (laughs) I'm like, uh, I have growth. We were talking earlier, and like, I haven't even heard her cuss before. So, in fact, you said like and John. And you still won't. Nope, nope. She said it, My she son s- tries to get me to cuss all of the time. That's a good son. Yeah. Mom, Thanks, can I get son. you to cuss? I raised you well. So, anyway, you're like, our pastor has a potty mouth. No, I'm, I'm pretty good with it. So... Anyway, we are going to have a conversation. Uh, it's going to be a little different tonight. If you're uh, new, this is going to be a different format than we typically uh, have, and I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a little more conversational uh, as we walk into this next conversation that we're having tonight. And uh, each week, what you're going to know is that uh, we're going to be sharing a song as well. The band's going to be sharing a song that uh, fits well with the, with the conversation that we're having. It's a song that you might have heard in the past uh, weeks and years uh, on the radio, and it's going to be something that can connect the dots here. Uh, especially for you and your friends, I want to encourage you, if you have friends that don't have a church home and maybe they're new to the community, uh, work up the courage to invite them to be part of uh, what we've got going on here. Um, I am thankful for ACF Church. I'm thankful for you, and, and I hope you're grateful for this community, uh, which makes you go, I-, I bet other people would be grateful for this as well. And so uh, don't keep this to yourself. It's a great, uh, I think, series to invite your friends to. And so just think of one person this week that you can pop the question to, and uh, the, the dreaded come to church question. Don't be afraid of that. I think uh, more people than you realize um, would be respectful that you believe and love God enough that you would want them to come join you in community. And so uh, just jump into that. But today's conversation, uh, last week it was all about our past. Talking about getting through our past, that we actually have to go backwards to move forward, which is so counterintuitive. None of us really want to dig back into all of those old stories and those situations that have wounded us or hurt us or been painful and and have have shaped us uh, today. But really, the the truth is we do need to go back. We need to go backwards to go forward. And actually, instead of going around our past or past our past, we want to actually go through our past and move through those things. And and we believe that God has things to show us uh, through that. And so uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what people think of us and what what God thinks of us and what we think of ourselves. Uh, we're going to talk about our labels. And I just kind of want to start off with maybe a really difficult question for you. Uh, what do people say about you? What do people think about you? And does it even terrify you to consider those two things? It does me uh, sometimes because I think uh, very highly of what other people think of me. Um, it actually it makes a big difference to me what people think about me. I've never been that guy that's like, I don't care what you think. Uh, I may have said that in the past, but if I'm honest, I think a lot about what other people think of me. And so I think back to like high school where, um, you, you know, you didn't really know what people thought of you till the end of the year when they did the yearbook. And, uh, you know, they did like the senior support. Superlatives, and I'm just really curious, honestly, because there's a lot of different, like, you know, best dressed or class clown or, you know, most likely to write the next Harry Potter series or whatever it is that people were rated for. Is anybody here willing and uh, 
courageous enough to share your superlative? What were you known for? Anybody? I was the class clown. Over here. The quietest. Okay. We had a hand over and here. And you spoke. Most school spirit. All right. Yeah. Uh, right here. Most gullible. Okay. All right. What are you known for? The, ah, the jolly green giant. I love that you're tall. Yes. Over here. Oh, that's a good that's one. Right. Most likely to survive the zombie apocalypse. Anybody else? What were you known for? <laughs> right here. To win the voice. That's good. Why aren't you singing? What's your deal? That's right. So, Angela, what were you known for? So, I was labeled everybody's friend. Yeah, that makes Aww, sense. Angela was labeled. Here's the thing. I want to... I want to start off with this. We had a lot of different labels that we've all probably dealt with. Um, many maybe were good, but if we're honest, there were probably some pretty negative ones, right? Um, when, I, when I asked the question, what do people say about you? Many of you cringe, right? Because you remember what people said about you in high school or in junior high school. And, and many of you even cringe because you wonder what people say about you today. Uh, we wonder, how are we being labeled Uh, Because we all have labels. If we're honest, people think things about us, and you probably think things about yourselves. And so we're going to do something a little bit different as we start off tonight. What I want you to do is pull out your smartphone if you have one. Um, It can be a dumb phone as well, as long as it can text. And uh, there's going to be a number on the screen behind me, and you can text in church. It's totally cool. Uh, It's actually going to help us out a lot. So uh, this number is actually going to go to uh, our worship leader Mason's phone, and he's going to actually get your responses. But what I want you to do is think of some negative labels that people have placed on you throughout your life. A negative label, something that somebody has said about you that has stuck in your mind, that has maybe shaped you and how you feel about yourself today. And when you text that, he's going to actually text me these, and we're going to put these on the screen. Nobody's going to try to follow up with you. Uh, Don't worry. We're not going to force you into counseling. But just be honest, okay? Be completely honest about what those labels are. Uh, Don't text about anything else. Just text about labels. And um, we're going to actually share those. And and you may actually be able to help somebody else work through uh, something that they have dealt with as well. But uh, just to help you kind of go back in time a little bit, um, we're going to share a little bit about our journeys, where we've come from. And just to kind of warm us up, I think you probably should see what we looked like back in high school. So let's start off with Angela. Yes. The sweater. I know. The sweater. My daughter wanted me to find that sweater and then preach in that sweater. (laughs) So good. Uh, I couldn't find it, but I'm sure I still have it somewhere. When was this? 1989. Yeah. Yeah. Rock on. I was seven. Okay. Thank thank you. Thank you for that. Just throwing that out there. But let's, let's, let's go on here. That's amazing. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) That was me working on the Jonathan Taylor Thomas hair. (laughs) Some of you girls have a crush on JTT back in junior high. Be honest, one of you. All right, so yeah, I was working on it, trying to grow the hair. The choker, boy, I think I wore a choker on my neck for like (laughs) seven years straight. I think this was um, my junior year of high school. So yeah, we're looking good. But you know, over the years, we have dealt with labels, and um, some people have positively labeled us and have helped us. Um, see ourselves in a certain light. Um, so, Ange, who's kind of been an influence on your life and has labeled you? I'm very thankful to have had a mom and a dad that really exemplified God's love to me. Yeah. Um, I know they weren't perfect, but I know and I knew that no matter what I did as a kid, that I was always loved. I got in trouble, but I knew I was loved. Um, I knew that I was wanted, that I was special. And both of my parents were teachers. And so a lot of the families that we would hang out with, that I would hang out with us when I was a kid, they were also teachers. And another lady that just really had a significant impact on me in a positive way is a lady named Miss Polly. And she always saw my potential. Mm -hmm. She always saw me for, even if I fell down, she encouraged me to get back up. Like that doesn't define you you can do it. And she would always encourage me, always just bear that weight of the fact that I was special, that I was precious, that I had something to offer. And so I'm very thankful for my parents and for Miss Polly. No, that's good. That's good. 
Yeah, I was blessed with great parents as well. Um, I've spoken a lot about my grandfather, in fact. He, he was a huge influence on my life. Um, gave me way too much freedom. Uh, I would spend my summers with him on the farm. He'd go to bed at like 7 p.m. and leave me the car keys at like 13 years old. And so um, out in the backwoods of Maine, here's this 13-year-old driving a pickup truck, just looking for trouble. But, you know, really, uh, what he... What he said to me without saying it was, I think that you can do more than you realize. I think that you have more potential in you than you realize. And so just that freedom that he gave me really showed me that um, growing up. And so I don't know for you, who is it that spoke life into you? Who is it that said things that has shaped you in a really positive way? And man, I'd encourage you, if you haven't ever thanked them for that, would you, would you consider doing that? Uh, maybe the next text you send tonight is just a little, hey, uh, you spoke things into my life that labeled me in a certain way that has uh, changed me for the better. And so it's great to thank people for that. But we also have people that have said negative things about us, right? Things that have been labels that have hurt us and wounded us and made us feel uh, maybe less than than others. And so, uh, Ange, talk, talk to us about maybe a, a negative label or something that you've dealt with over the years. Well, exactly. So again, going back to the fact that both of my parents were teachers, I loved school and I loved Uh, being told what to do and doing it, like even beyond what someone would ask. And so I had an elementary school teacher that, believe it or not, she was not very nice. And yet I still followed directions. I still went above and beyond in my homework because I loved being there. And she was not very nice to the other kids in the class, but because of the favoritism then that she showed me because I would follow the rules and I would do what I was told, the other kids in the class labeled me, oh, your teacher's pet. You're a brown noser. Oh, you're just, you're a tattletale. And I remember uh, learning a lesson. She was teaching us about antonyms. And I remember her asking the class, can anyone give me an antonym for beautiful? And a boy raised his hand and he said, Angela. And that was the first time where I really remember feeling ugly. Like, well, it must, it must be true. Yeah. Those little moments, it's, it's crazy how those stick in your mind, isn't it? I bet if we got every one of you up here, you'd have like, I was wounded by somebody when I was young and I still feel that feeling, just a little bit of it today. Um, I, for me, it was my fourth grade teacher. I remember, I, I've always told my wife that I drove my teachers nuts and um, I don't think she really understood until we just got my little boy into school this year. And she's like, are you serious? You were like that? And I'm like, yes, I was worse than that. You know, he's, I mean, and I love my little boy, but he was just, he was freaking out and uh, didn't know how to deal with his fear. And, and man, I drove my teachers crazy. And my fourth grade teacher uh, was so done with me by about like the third week of school that she went, yeah, it took that long. And she went and she bought this package of origami paper because all she knew about me was I love to fold little origami things. And she bought this big stack of the square origami paper and she sat me in the back of the classroom at her desk and for the rest of the school year, all I did was fold origami paper, which at first I was like, this is awesome, right? What else could I want? All the other kids are learning and doing their thing and I'm back here making little swans, you know, and, and you know, it, it was really, it was a lot of fun and about halfway through the year, I just got really depressed. And um, looking back on that, what I realized is that what I heard from my teacher uh, was that you're not worth the effort. You're not, you're not worth it. And so I'm going to kind of give up on you. I don't have time for you. And so uh, I think back to that moment and it really did shape, I think, a lot of things through the rest of my life in the way uh, that I see myself. And so um, lots of different labels that I, I dealt with. Um, I think I, I mentioned just as a military kid, feeling like the outsider, uh, that I'm not really part of the internal group. I'm always on the outside of things. That's, that's always a label I think I dealt with. So a few of you have texted, and you got a pen, yeah, and we're going to share a few of these. And um, as, we, as we do this, I want you to just think about your label. Maybe we're going to share yours or maybe not. Um, and you can keep texting those in if you'd like. But uh, here's just a few that uh, people in, uh, in the group have, have dealt with. Uh, loser. That's a, that's a painful label. We've maybe all heard that before, been called a loser. Uh, controlling. Complicated. Uh, 
doomed to fail. Wow. Loner. Too skinny. Chubby. Horrible mom. Push over. Perfectionist. Good luck on your spelling skills there. There we go. Hey, I had par- uh, teachers for parents. That's right. <laughs> I was made for this. That's right. Weak. Hmm. Popeyes. 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 Popeyes, like big eyes. Oh, okay. Not like spinach. No. Okay. A little different. Demanding. Mm. So these are just a few. I mean, we could keep, we could go for a while. But as you, as you look at these labels, um, and you guys are having no problem writing in labels, uh, what that shows me is that we've all got these, right? We've all got something in our minds that have shaped how we see ourselves and have probably um, probably caused us to see ourselves in a certain light, maybe more uh, than we think. So um, how have you seen these labels affect your life, Angela? Well, initially, and, and just what are the your first one, yeah, chubby. Um, when I served in the Army, the Army has what they call a height and weight standard. And you can only weigh a certain amount for being a certain height. Well, you can see I am not that tall but I always weighed more than what I was allowed. Hmm. And so according to the army, I was chubby. I was too, I was too fat. Yeah, for me, you know, the, the idea of being an uh, outsider, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're a kid, people call you a wannabe, right? I remember being called a wannabe. You're such a wannabe. You just want to be on the inside. And, uh, and for me, what that did is um, over the years, I think it shaped the way I dealt with people. So what I learned is uh, I learned to figure out what people wanted. Uh, they said, hey, you're a wannabe. I can tell that you're faking it. And so what you learn is how to not look like you're faking it. And you learn to figure out, you know, from each place that you live, what are people looking for? What do they want? What are they into? Be into that and they'll be into you. And so um, over the years, I think that uh, for me, I started kind of losing myself in that, well, you're calling me somebody who wants to be. And so I'm just going to be that but I'm going to do it better than you realize to the point that you think I'm authentically what you want instead of actually just kind of faking it uh, to build a relationship. And so I got really good at manipulating people and manipulating relationships and manipulating myself so that I could be liked. I, I wanted to be accepted and liked. And so I've really seen that uh, in my life developed into some codependent issues and sort of this I'm not okay unless you're okay and uh, gauging how I feel off of what other people feel about me way too much. So definitely has affected uh, my life. Uh, and some of these labels, they're, pain, they're all painful. But here's what I think. I think the labels that hurt the most are the ones that confirm something we already believe about ourselves. Isn't that true? Like when somebody puts to words what you already fear the most, that hurts, right? I mean, if you fear being a bad parent and somebody says, you're a terrible parent, that's going to stick in your mind and it's going to shape you uh, in ways. And if they call you something that you're like, I don't even struggle with that. That doesn't really, that's just, you know, water off my back. But when you call me something that I already struggle with, um, it, it hurts. It hurts. And so... You know, sometimes we also, we label other people with our label. You ever heard of that? So uh, it, it's the old, you spot it, you got it. And sometimes what we do, and, and if you're like, well, that's something that I dealt with as a kid. We still label people today, don't we? Right, adults? We still label people. We still see people in a certain light. And, and we label them in a certain way. But what happens oftentimes is we label people with our label. We, we see clearest in other people what we have within ourselves, don't we? 
And we tend to pick it out really quickly. In fact, uh, Matthew 7, 1 talks a lot about this. This is a really common, a well-known scripture about labeling people. And it uses the term judgment. Let's talk about this. In verse 1, it says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So what we're talking about here is these religious leaders, these Pharisees who were judging other people when they themselves had the same issues. And so it's interesting that we have these scars and these wounds from when we were younger, but we don't really grow out of this idea of judging people and labeling people. Uh, Many of us, we feel very qualified to label other people. Now, how many times have you made a snap judgment about somebody and found out later that you were completely wrong? Uh, How many times have you said something or thought something and been like, man, uh, that just uh, wasn't quite right. Or maybe I was projecting something on them that I struggle with. And maybe I need to take care of myself a little bit more than thinking about them. So wh- what's being said in this passage? What's, uh, what speaks to you out of that, Angela? So what I think about is the fact that when my daughter was little, I had to tell her more than once, you need to listen the first time. And I feel like there were some days that I was saying that all day long. Alyssa You need to listen the first time. Just listen the first time, Alyssa. And we were driving home one day, and she was buckled in the back seat, in her car seat, and um, we were maybe like three corners from our house. We were so close, and I hear this little voice, uh, Mommy, I don't feel very good. Oh, you're fine, Alyssa. We are so close to home. You are fine. You are fine. Mommy, I don't feel very good. Nope, you're okay. It's all right. We're almost home. We're almost home. One corner to go. My daughter, I don't feel... And with that, she proceeded to throw up in the back of my car all over the place. Well, I was so mad. I stormed around. I got out of the car. I stormed around to her car door. I opened the door and there she is with these sweet little eyes. And she says to me, I guess that's why we listen the first time. And I thought, so good. oh, thank you, God, for the punch in the gut. Because here I was trying to teach her about listening the first time, and I was not taking any steps to listen the first time myself. And I think this passage is saying that our sins need to appear greater. You know, how can I say to you, well, here, let me help you with your anger. And yet I get angry all the time and I fly off the handle and I just have no patience, you know? And so for me, I think of Philippians two, three, and it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. So good. Yeah. We, as we open this conversation about labels and judgment, um, the place we have to start with is ourselves, right? Um, we, we can't first, I think, deal with the labels other people have given us until we start with what are the labels that we've given other people and how have we judged others maybe incorrectly or have we projected maybe ourselves or things that are, you know, our problems onto other people. And so at this point in the conversation, what it, what it sounds like we're communicating, communicating is that labeling is bad and judging is bad. Most of us would say that's right. Judging is bad. Nobody wants to be judged. Judgment is a terrible thing. And yet at the same time, here's what I want to read a, a quick passage for you in John seven twenty four. This is what Jesus says. He says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So this is Jesus himself saying, okay, so you don't want to judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So Jesus is actually saying there is such thing as right judgment. Do you realize this? There is right judgment. Now, Few people do it well, but there is something called right judgment, which means that there's also something called wrong judgment, which most of us have experienced this. And so when we say things like, you can't judge me, or don't judge me, or you're not the judge of me, it's really what what most of us are referring to is, is wrong judgment, is the kind of judgment that most of us have experienced. There are different kinds of unbiblical judgment. 
the first would be superficial judgment, judging based on appearances. Like Jesus just said, you can look up Proverbs eighteen thirteen. It speaks about that a little bit. Um, hypocritical judgment. We just spoke about that a second ago, that the Pharisees were judging other people as they were dealing with their own sin. They hadn't taken the speck out of, uh, the, the log out of their own eye. They were just looking at the speck in their eyes. That'd be superficial uh, or hypocritical judgment. Um, Titus 3.2 talks about harsh judgment. Have you experienced that before? Maybe somebody said the right thing the wrong way and uh, they were rude and they were angry and you, you didn't feel the love as they were speaking uh, maybe truth into your life. Uh, James 4.6 talks about self-righteous judgment. Judgment that's about building yourself up. You ever been labeled in a certain way so that somebody else can feel better about themselves? Um, have you ever labeled somebody else in a certain way so that you can feel better about yourself? This would be self-righteous judgment. So I want to dig into this idea of being labeled and, and, and labeling other people and judgment because um, there's a lot of, I think, disconnect about this in the church. So what we can do is we can run to both polarization of this whole thing. We can run to one direction and say, nobody should judge. I can't judge. They shouldn't judge. I want a judge-free zone, right? And that seems like the right thing at first blush, right? And yet at the same time, you can run to the other direction and be like, no, no, no. No, if we're going to get better, we need to judge everybody. All of you judge. Let's just put it all out in the light. I'm going to say everything about you. You say what you think about me and uh, we'll deal with it. And when really that's, neither of those are correct. We want to judge rightly, which I think in the Bible is also known as something called discernment. And to discern is to use the wisdom that God gave you and the spirit that he put inside of you to see things for what they are and to see people for who they are. And and so I want us to be careful throwing judgment out the window because what can happen is we can actually lose something in the family of God. And so the word judgment carries lots of baggage. And so let's just set that word aside. Let's use the word discernment. I believe the people of God are called to be discerning. And if you're not a a church person here today, what that simply means is that we would use our minds and our hearts to determine what, what the truth is about a situation. And that we would do it in a way that honors God, honors other people. That we do it in a completely loving way, whatever that means in that situation. I ran across a a commentary that spoke about judgment in the church and how Christians actually need to judge things. And it says this, it says, when the Bible's teaching about judgment is dismissed, all victims of injustice, violence, and oppression are put at risk. If God is a God of love without the accountability of justice, then vulnerable people become more vulnerable and bullies are encouraged to continue bullying. So what he's saying is that we need to be able to call things out for what they are. We need to be able to say something is wrong or somebody is being wrong when they're being wrong. What happens way too often is that we don't judge rightly. There's either self-righteousness or we're being hypocritical or being harsh or superficial. We're not doing it in a way that honors the person and honors God. And so what most of us say is that let's just no judgment this whole thing. And what happens is then the church is kind of rendered useless in society because we need to be the first people to call things out for being wrong when they're wrong, right? I mean, there are things, and even if you're not a Christian, you can admit that there are things that should just be called wrong. There are things that should just be stood up against and things that as God's people that we should say, this is not helpful for society, helpful for for people, and we're going to lead the way in trying to make this better. But too often we say, well, we're not here to judge the world, right? You know, that's Jesus' job. Absolutely. But we are here to say there are things that are wrong and things that are not. And to know the difference, and it is, uh, it is a dangerous business to do this well. But it is the business, I think, of God's people. So we need right judgment. We need to learn to also receive right judgment, don't we? Like that's the next part. Okay, so if we're going to give right judgment in situations, and and maybe if you're having a hard time grasping this, this would be something like if your spouse has an addiction or a habit that is hurting them or, 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 or the people around them, is the most loving thing to just ignore it and say, who am I to judge? Or to lean in and with all love to say, honey, this is hurting you. I think we all know the truth is to lean in, is to say, man, I need to get my heart right first. I need to deal with me first. That's the part most of us skip. We just run right in with guns blazing, and then oftentimes we don't look like we're loving because we're not. 
But when we deal with ourselves first and then in a loving heart we lean in, then we, we're not just labeling somebody. We're not just judging them. We're actually using discernment to help them, to love them. But this starts first with our own hearts, amen? It starts first with us dealing with ourselves. There's this man named Paul uh, who speaks about this. And First uh, Timothy uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 15 says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. This is what Paul says of himself. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Do you read the humility in Paul? You see, Paul was not a man to hold back the truth. Paul was a man who was willing to speak the truth into the church. He was, a, he was willing to call out sin for what was sin and, and, and things that were right and things that were wrong. He was very honest, but he did so in such a loving way only because he believed this to the core. This isn't him just trying to, you know, butter people up. Paul believed this to the core. Jesus Christ came to save the world of sinners of whom I'm the worst. Who's the worst? It's me. It, it's Paul. I'm the worst. And, and he saved me, the worst of sinners, to show you that he can probably save you too. And so when you begin there, I think you are in the right place to discern what's right in other people's lives. Not to simply label them, but to judge rightly. You can write this down. You can't judge rightly until you've been judged rightly. Until you've experienced this weird thing where somebody discerns something in your life, or God himself speaks the truth into your life, and it maybe it hurts, but it feels like love. And you're, you're willing to receive it and work through it and move past it. Until you've done that and experienced that, you're just going to run from judgment. And you're going to, maybe you'll be judging others, but you won't want it on yourself. But there's this weird thing that happens that you can actually learn to crave that and to want that and to receive that when it's done rightly by people who love you, by a God who you actually believe cares enough about you to call out the things that are sin in your life. This is what Paul did, is he's like, I'm receiving judgment. So I want to ask you the next question. Have you ever been labeled correctly? Has somebody ever called something out in your life and said, this is who you are, and you're like, ah, I hate that you said that. It's pretty true. How about you, Angela? What's, what's that yep. been in your life? So thankfully, my husband, Vern, is very gracious, but he served in the military for 24 years, and therefore, he was told a lot of times what to do and how to do it. He didn't usually get much choice. And one day, we were in the car driving somewhere. We were in the car driving, and um, that's incorrect. He was driving. I wasn't driving. But yet, I wanted to offer all of my advice because I knew the right way to go. I knew how to get there. I knew the fastest way. I knew where all the construction was, but I wasn't driving, but I was making sure I was making sure that I told him this is the way that you need to go. Yes, let's just go this way. I know better. I'm controlling. And I remember him just very graciously leaning over and just saying, "You know, there are not a lot of things that I get to control, and I would really love it if you would just trust me that I know where to go." And again, just that punch in the gut, like, oh, that's exactly what I was doing. You're right. I hate being labeled correctly. Yeah. 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 I, my, uh, I remember my youth pastor back in high school, um, he's, he'll, he'll tell this story that there was only one time in his career as a youth pastor that he thought he was going to get fired. And it was, it was this moment with me that we were in Mexico and uh, we were on this mission trip together. And as a youth pastor, it's just stressful. You got, you know, 40-something kids, and there's a lot going on. And it was like 10 a.m., and we were all hanging out in this compound, and he was just alone taking a shower for a few minutes. And the way this place was built, there were these, like, hallways with uh, an open balcony, and there were these uh, upper windows with, with grating on them into the bedrooms and into the showers. And so, like, I walk by, and I kind of glance in, and, well, there's... Matt, my youth pastor, in the shower, right? And he's just kind of singing, having a great day. And so I run down to this little, like, pond that they had in the middle of this place, and I get this bucket of this nasty, stagnant pond water. I don't know what was in it, right? And so I run it upstairs, and I 
dump it through the window on my youth pastor, which I thought was hilarious, right? So my buddies are laughing, and I'm impressing everybody. He comes bolting out there in barely a towel, and he tackles me on the ground. And the dude, he's like a football player. He is going to kill me, right? I'm just a little scrawny, you know, like ninth grader. Like, what are you doing? And he jumps. He's like, why do you push me so hard? You're so frustrating, right? And he gets up and like, at first I'm pretty mad. I'm like, bro, you're going to jail, right? You can't do this. And so I'm like threatening him and he gets back in his room and I walk off angry. I'm like, why would he do that? Why'd he freak out? And, and later I'm like, why am I this way? Like I didn't, it took him almost beating me to a pulp to, for me to realize that like, and even later he felt bad about himself. He felt terrible that I'd pushed. And I was like, why did I do that? What, what is it in me that thought this is going to be a kick to just push him as hard as I can? And so he called me frustrating and, uh, I was, and it was that really that moment in my high school career that I was like, I got to stop. I got to start thinking of other people. Like, it's just not funny anymore. You ever just find out that you're not funny? Yeah, I found that out a lot. So we've all probably experienced those labels. Angela, why are we so terrible at labeling people? What's, where's this come from? What? Terrible at labeling people? Us? Let's listen to 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part... Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. I think the major reason why we are terrible at labeling people is the fact that our vision is obstructed by sin. The definition itself of labeling is unhelpful thinking. In Celebrate Recovery, we would call this stinking thinking. That's what we did. We had stinking thinking. And our minds, if we listen to, uh, if you read the letter to Romans that Paul writes, he is talking about this battle that wages between the law of sin and the law of grace. And he talks about this battle that is going on between flesh and spirit. And while we could, you know, spend weeks and weeks on sermons talking about this battle that wages within us, I think what we just need to remember is, like it says in 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And like Paul says in Romans, verse 18 says that, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Our vision is obstructed by sin. And so what do we need to do? But we need to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit and through his strength, then what we can do is we can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we can take captive our thoughts, Mm -hmm. get rid of that stinking thinking and make it obedient to Christ because we don't have the full perspective. Mm -hmm. We don't have the proper view. Only, only God does. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think here's the thing. We, the reason we run from judgment is we've never experienced a fully unbiased judge, right? I mean, we don't trust that what people say about us is actually true most of the times. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, people have said things that have been hurtful. And so we, we can tend to run from any kind of judgment when sometimes what people say into our lives is absolutely true of us. And yet at the same time, people sometimes are terrible at this because we are so biased in the way that we feel about others the way that we feel about ourselves. So I'm on uh, jury duty this week. In fact, I got to go make the phone call tonight. You guys, have you had to do this? Every 5 p.m., make the phone call, find out, you know, number 87, you're called in tomorrow. So every day this week, I'm making the phone call and, and actually went in on uh, Tuesday and had to go in downtown and, and sit in the big room with all the chairs. And they give you this little survey to fill out. And as, you're, as I'm filling it out this week, it struck me just, there's a lot of simple questions. What's your name? Where are you from? But there are a couple of specific questions that they asked, right? They ask, are you a close friend with any police officers, right? Are you a close friend or a family member with any police officers? And then they ask, have you or your family members ever had a crime co- committed against you? And I realized as I was reading through this, these are questions that are all about your bias, 
What they want to find out is, are you a biased or an unbiased jury member? Because I know that if I'm, you know, good friends with a police officer or I, you know, have had crimes against me, that there's a certain bias that I'm going to bring into the room, right? So what I've learned is that if you want to get out of jury duty, you just say you're a lot of friends with lots of cops and, you know, you've had lots of crimes committed against you. But this is what this is about, is they want unbiased judgment. They want for people to come in and be able to disconnect. And then, you know, the judge comes out and he says, hey, make sure if you go into the room that you don't research the people that we're talking about on your phones. He told a story of somebody before going into the courtroom who went online and like Facebook stalked the person that they were supposed to be unbiased judgment of. And so he was like, we want to We want to make sure that we don't have any outside information coming in, that we're giving pure uh, judgment of the situation. You see, we've never truly experienced this, but we do know that there are some places that we can go to experience this. And so Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so if you are courageous enough to truly want to know about yourself, the first place you can go is to the Word of God. Is that if you really want to deal with this, this is why Christians sometimes don't want to read the Bible, right? Because it's just so dang convicting every time you do, right? And so we we don't want to read it because we don't want to actually have it read us. But when you truly study the Bible, what it does is it judges our hearts, and so you can be mad at God or mad at the Bible, but what it does is it, it judges the intentions of our hearts. And so you can go through life ignoring that, or you can lean into that and truly find out what God says about you. And that's a, it's a scary place to go, but I want you to know that there's freedom on the other side of that. So some options with our labels, uh, if you're wondering and you're like, okay, this is me tonight. I've got my own word that I struggle with. A, a few options with that. What's the first thing we can do with labels? Yeah. So I think the first thing that we can do with these labels is we can ignore them. I had a professor in college who would tell me doing nothing is doing something. And so to ignore something means to disregard it on purpose. I think of my son who never wanted to talk to me until I was in a conversation. And then he would come up, mom, 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 mom. And I did what any reasonable parent did. I just continued my conversation. I ignored him. I didn't want to skip a beat. I wanted to keep in my conversation. And so I would ignore him. But what I also found is that as soon as I would put my hand over the top of his hand that was tapping, he would calm down. He would stop saying mom, just that acknowledgement, like pastor Brian was talking about what we talked about last week and earlier today, that sometimes we have to acknowledge our past so that we can move forward. I don't think that ignoring can be a bad thing. I think what we need to do is we need to consider the source. What is the source of these labels? I read a quote this week and it just said statements might be right but they can be an unloving and malignant scream designed to wound as an accusation rather than liberate with love. And so I, I think we need to consider the source of our labels and we need to guard against ignoring the ones that might be true because then that can lead to ignorance. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ignoring in a way that doesn't lead to ignorance. That's, that's, that's a great point. I think acknowledging and considering those sources. I think the next thing you can do with labels, um, some people just embrace them. Uh, maybe as you've been labeled in one of these ways, for me just to say, I am an outsider. I'm just going to embrace that. Um, or, or, you know, I am frustrating. That's just who I am. That's what somebody calls me. And so that's just what I'm going to be. Or even something that's, that's, you know, not true of me. Maybe uh, I would embrace that. Uh, but there is, I think, a better way um, than that. And what would that be? Yeah, absolutely. I think freedom is found in overcoming our labels, overcoming them. Now, culture would say, okay, so how do you, how do you do this? How do I overcome these labels that people have said about me? Uh, try harder, believe in yourself, just grit your teeth. Come on, you can do it. You know, you've got it within you. Go to the gym. It's all about you. And, and what I think that does is that makes us focus on ourselves mm-hmm. that, oh, I'm enough. I can figure this out on my own. 
But again, when we use God's word to judge the thoughts and intentions, we look at Romans 3 that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are powerless in our own strength to overcome these labels. The only way we can overcome the labels is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And by letting him take control, by using that mirror and that image of God's word and thinking about what he says about me, the fact that I am loved, the fact that I am a new creation, that I'm forgiven, that I'm redeemed, that's how we overcome these labels. Because Satan, what he wants to do is he wants to keep us in our labels. Because when we focus on ourselves, then we lose sight of God. She just wants to be beautiful. She goes unnoticed. She knows no limit. She craves attention. She praises an image. She prays to be sculpted by the sculptor. Oh, she don't see the light that shines. Even in the eyes can find it Maybe we have made a blind soul She tries to cover up her pain And cut her woes away But cover girls don't cry After the face is made But there's a hope that's waiting for you in the dark You should know you're beautiful just the way you are and you don't have to change a thing The world can change its heart First Peter 2, 9 through 11. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, 
to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted so really the last point here is that god doesn't just hide our labels he changes them and so i don't know what it is that you struggle with tonight uh, what the label is Uh, i think everybody in this room has something that probably follows them everywhere they go and so whatever that is for you tonight i want you to replace that label with this simple word chosen Uh, We really believe that that is enough for us, that um, this is not about trying to be enough on our own. It's not about trying to act like we're not flawed because we are. This is the story of a God who didn't love us because we were perfect. He loved us despite our brokenness. And he chose us from before time began to come and save humanity. And he knew what we would do. And he knew who we would be. And he knew all of our mistakes and all of our flaws, and yet he still chose all of us. And so for you today, I don't know what your struggle is, but that is the gospel message, not that you're enough. You're not. Not not that you can fix the problems, really, you can't. The, The core issue here, the core problem here is a heart problem. When we deal with our hearts and we realize that God is the highest authority that exists, says that you are chosen, there is peace. And there can be healing there in that part of your life. Can we pray together tonight? Jesus, thank you so much that we can find peace through our stories and our pasts. God, that we can actually deal with our labels and God, we can bring them before you and ask you what the truth is. God, I pray we'd be a church full of people who are willing to be honest with ourselves. As many judgments that have been made about us that are wrong, God, there are some that we know are right. And I just confess my own heart, God, I don't, I don't want to receive those things many times. But God, could we believe that on the other side of acknowledging our sin is peace that we have never experienced before? I want to pray for the person tonight that maybe has never done that or taken that step to go before you, God, because there's been so many guards that have been put up. That tonight could be the night where they step before you and say, God, I, I trust you with my heart. I trust that although I am a sinner, God, that you will change me and that you will call me chosen despite my sin. That you don't simply hide my mistakes, but you can actually change my label. So we receive your love tonight. We're thankful for your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.